Welcome to A Second Chance, personal stories of near-death experiences, the journey and beyond. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Hi everybody, welcome back to A Second Chance Podcast. I want to start off this week by giving you all a very big apology because I have missed the last two weeks of recording. In the last two weeks, I have moved and I had a lot of crazy things happen in my life. And I haven't had the opportunity to be able to record any new episodes. So, starting from today, I'm very excited to bring you an amazing interview with John Ramstead. Before we get into that interview, I just wanted to share with you that I have really been thinking a lot about the direction that I would like this podcast to go. In the last two weeks, I've been given a second chance with my marriage. My husband and I have had a lot of time to work things through and talk since I've had my heart attack and gotten under the hospital. feels so good and it feels just amazing to be given this second chance has me evaluating the direction I would like to go in this podcast. I'm realizing that there's a need for a podcast for people that have had a near-death experience, but second chances can come in other ways so much greater than just near-death experiences. So I'm just thinking about it. I would love to hear your feedback, but I'm thinking about opening up this podcast and doing some interviews on people that have had second chances for all kinds of reasons. So thanks so much, guys. I would just love to hear your input at everydayisasecondchance.com or send me an email, gina at everydayisasecondchance. Thank you so much, and without any further ado, here is John Ramstead. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Second Chance podcast. Today, we have an interview with someone that has an amazing story that was brought to me by Joel at Relaunch. Thanks, Joel, so much for introducing us, and I would like to introduce you, everybody, to John Ramstead. Hi, John. Hey, good morning, Gina. Good morning. How are you doing today? You know, today I'm doing great. Well, that is fantastic to hear. I would love if you could start to tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, it's, it's been a long and interesting life I've had. I had a dream when I was a kid to be a fighter pilot and never thought I could achieve that, but Went to college on an ROTC scholarship and ended up getting into Navy flight school and and w- through a lot of hard work became an F-14 pilot and uh, flew in Desert Storm, flew combat sorties and uh, then I uh, got my dream orders to go back and, and instruct a Top Gun, but I actually had an injury playing softball and had some nerve damage to one of my eyes and I had to get out and uh, this was in 95 and Nobody was hiring uh, an ex-pilot and somebody who had an engineering degree that I'd never used, so I decided to just start my own company. So I ended up doing three different uh, tech startups and then went to a Fortune 100 company and then went to a Wall Street firm and then uh, in 2011 left to start my own company, another one, and five months into that, I was uh, involved in an accident that pretty much radically changed everything about my life. So that was just uh, just over two and a half years ago now. Wow, you've had a very busy life and a lot of experience in there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was one of these folks that always felt I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but I could always outwork anybody around me. 
and now I found myself in the situation that that that's not possible anymore. Wow. So before we get into your experience, I'm just curious, prior to your near-death experience, did you have any religious beliefs? You know, I did. I, you know, being in, in college and being in a fraternity, and I ended up being the social chairman at my fraternity and then getting into a, a fighter squadron was a complete extension of that fraternity life. And as I was getting out of the Navy and completely unsure with the path of my life and and just really having my dreams just taken away, uh, that's the only thing I'd ever wanted since I was a kid. Uh, some wonderful friends of mine who I got to know as business mentors at first, uh, but they shared the gospel with me. And I just knew in my heart that I just, I needed help, I needed direction, I needed purpose, I needed, my life didn't have any meaning at that point. And uh, this was in uh, April of 95 that I became a Christian, and that gave me such a foundation and a grounding for the rest of my life uh, that was uh, invaluable for me, just opened up incredible doors. And then uh, my wife did not become a Christian that at that point. We've been married 25 years, and but she did a year later. So that was a very interesting year for us, uh, as we, uh, as my friends really helped coach and mentor me through that. And I said, "God's loved you unconditionally your whole life. You need to do that uh, for Donna until you know whatever she chooses." So it actually did an incredible uh, thing in strengthening our our life and our relationship during that period of time. Oh, I love that way of looking at it, John. I have a question before we get into your experience. The way that you said you felt when you couldn't do what you loved anymore. A lot of people that have a near-death experience, they feel that after their experience. Would you share with us just a little bit more what it was like being in that place for you and how you stayed so positive after? Well, I got to tell you, you know, initially, you know, I've always been a pretty positive person. But when, uh, and here I was, I'd just been uh, given orders to go to Top Gun. I was flying F-14s and F-16s, and the first job that I found was actually selling cell phones. I was going door-to-door in San Diego selling cell phones to stay-at-home moms, and the jets were flying over my head. And I got to tell you, it was, I think for probably two years straight, I was absolutely functionally depressed there there was no and this is even after uh i became a christian because i i think when you don't have a purpose in your life you're not uh you don't understand who you are and what you want to do and what the meaning that you want your life to have right because i think the thing that gives us the joy and the happiness that's just built inside of us is actually pursuing something that's worthwhile and which i felt i was doing in the Navy and is that career that I had there. That was my, my dream. And what I had to do is reconnect to what that would be outside of that whole realm. And that was a, a long journey. And I think it, it really took me two years to really put that behind me that was ripped away to focus on something new. But what got me through that, honestly, was constantly reaching out for positive association, for mentors, reading books about people that have done what I wanted to do, uh, people who had become the kind of person that I wanted to become. And if I wasn't continuing to just put one foot in front of the other on this journey to become 
uh, a different, a new, and a better person, uh, I think it would have been, I don't know how I would have gotten through it and or how I would have gotten through it well. Well, I love your faith and I love your strength. And I hope that everybody out there gets the message that anybody can do that. Anybody. Well, I agree. Anybody can. It's a choice. Every day, every single day you wake up, you have a choice. It was the same after my accident. For for years, I wake up every morning and I have a choice to either find one positive thing to think about today, one person's life that maybe I could touch through what I was going through, or I could just focus on the pain, the brokenness, uh, the limitations that I had. But I knew where that went. That went down to such a dark and miserable place. I was scared to death to let myself go there. And I think looking back, I was I was afraid to go there also. And I think that was part of my motivation to really find anything positive in my life. Because I've known people, you probably know people that have gotten into that mindset and that mode, and it leads uh, nowhere. It leads nowhere good anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's not keep everybody in suspense. We'd all love to hear your story. Tell us, just before it happened, what were you doing? You weren't um, expecting that today would be the day you would be going to the hospital, hey? No, as a matter of fact, I have a picture that somebody took. I, well, what happened was I got invited up. Uh, there's a uh, a wonderful nonprofit called Family Talk that uh, Dr. Dobson, who founded Focus on the Family, started. And I was invited by a friend of mine who's on his board to be part of learning more about this and maybe uh, coming on the board or being uh, just more involved in what he was doing. And so we all gathered up at a ranch in Montana, and I flew myself up there in a, a plane that I had uh, that I used for <laughs> business. And uh, I got in on a Thursday. Well, Friday, we were going to ride to the back of the ranch for uh, lunch, and I was the first one saddled, and I'm sitting on this horse. You should see this picture. I'm, I'm uh, on this horse with my black t-shirt with some cool logo on it and I got my shades on and I got this big smile on my face and beautiful blue sky day and birds are flying around and and I had no idea that in the next five minutes my life was going to change permanently and that's what happened so uh, I can kind of share you what uh, what happened was my this big open practice yard and I was getting bored. Other people were getting on their horses kind of slowly. So I decided to let my horse walk out into this big open yard, and he started trotting. I'm not much of a horseback rider, but, you know, and as they trot, right, you're bouncing up and down on the horse. And, yeah. And just so I'm just enjoying the day. The wind's starting to go through my hair. But all of a sudden, that horse just, just did a 90-degree turn to the right, and he bolted, and he threw me backwards. I'm laying flat on my back, on the back of the horse, and his, his rump is just slapping me on my shoulder blades. And I'm holding on with my legs as hard as I can. I was scared to death that I was going to flip over backwards and get kicked in the skull as I fell off this horse. So I was able to, as, you know, each step, he's pulling himself and as they accelerate, right? And he's going faster and faster. And I was able to get my weight back up and sit and look forward, and I'm looking down where the horse is going, and we're heading straight at this fence line. It's a steel corral fence. It's maybe, at this point, 50, mm. 75 yards away now. So I, I honestly wasn't too scared at this point, so I, I, I grabbed the reins, and I pulled the horse's head all the way to the left, and he 
pulled the reins almost out of my hand. He pulled his head back straight, and we're just continuing to accelerate faster and faster, and we're going toward the, the fence. I'm like, this horse is crazy. So I pulled his head as far as I could again to the left, and he just pulled his head back. And, and we're going straight at the fence. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I'm definitely starting to panic. And, you know, you're so high in the air on the back of a horse. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I got to bail off this horse. I got to jump. But if I jump, I'm going to break my neck. I mean, Ugh. I mean, what are you? Tw- I mean, 15 feet in the air. You know, I'm just over six feet tall. You're on the back of a horse, and you're yeah. at full speed. I'm like, well, the horse can't be suicidal. It was clear off the left. He's going to turn. He's going to turn. Then all of a sudden, the, the fence is long enough, and I realize that there is absolutely no way one of us isn't going to get really hurt. And the panic that started to rise. You know, I you know I was a fighter pilot. I've flown in combat. I've flown low-level missions, 500 miles an hour at 100 feet. Never had this feeling before in my life. It, wow. it was interesting, right? Maybe 20 yards from the fence at full speed, I'll never forget, but it was like somebody just hit the pause button, and everything just went, and just slowed down. And I just remember thinking very calmly to myself, almost with a sense of humor, I just said, this is not going to end well. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last <laughs> I remember thinking that very clearly and that's the last thing I remember and what the horse did is he came into the fence and, and he bucked so hard that he actually flipped over and he landed on his side rump first toward the fence and he slammed into the fence on the ground on, on his side uh, rump first and, but when he did that he launched me into the fence and the top bar which is like a 3 inch steel rolled you know, beam Hit me right across the face, uh, from my teeth up through my left eye, and it. I lost seven teeth. I shattered my cheek. I crushed my left eye orbit. I broke all the bones behind the eye socket, which severed the nerve to the eye. So my left eye is now completely blind. I shattered my forehead, the center of my skull, the base of my skull. As my head snapped back from the impact, uh, it also broke my neck in a couple of places. And I also crushed four ribs, punctured a lung, and uh, and tore up my right shoulder pretty good. I was very fortunate. One of the women there was uh, an EMT, and she got to me right away and, and got a whole bunch of people to hold me down. When I woke up on the ground, I guess I, I passed out for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And when I came to, I could feel people holding my head, uh, holding down my shoulders, holding my hips, and I, I could feel that this woman was holding my hand, uh, which was actually a little bit of a comfort. And I heard her say, he's going into shock. Mm-hmm. And But what I noticed at that moment, though, the pain that I was in was beyond anything that was even close to something I could tolerate. I was absolutely panicking. I was in, in fear. It's almost like when you're underwater and you can't, and you need to take a breath and you're you know, you're 20 feet down and you don't think you can get to the surface. You can imagine mm-hmm. almost that that kind of panic, but it was even greater than that. And uh, all the people around me said I was, you know, my, my face was cut open, so it was not a real pretty sight. And I was yelling and moaning and, and uh, in a way that was very hard for them to even be there. And mm-hmm. right at that moment, what they saw uh, from outside was uh, they described it as I relaxed so completely it looked like I was just sinking into the ground. And uh, two of the guys there thought they had just watched me pass away. 
And what happened, though, at that moment, Gina, was I just felt the presence of God just come and completely surround me. And it was the most, it gives me goosebumps just remembering that feeling. It was the most intense and personal, unconditional love. And it wasn't general. It, it was, this was about Jesus and John Ramstead. It was one-on-one. It was about this person who loved me more than comprehension. And I remember laying there, not knowing how bad it was with everything broken. The first thought that came into my head when I felt God's presence was, I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this. I remember thinking that very clearly. And then, you know, in Scripture, because I was, um, I can, we can talk about this later, but I'd really kind of fallen away from a, a, any kind of close relationship with God uh, because of my business career and some of the successes I had. And... Um, but they talk about that peace that passes all understanding, and this feeling was just washing over me, over and over, like almost like waves in an ocean, mm-hmm. like this thrumming. It was just this peace, and all that pain and panic and fear was just completely taken away from me. It, was, it wasn't even like it was a memory. It was like it had never happened. And so I'm just laying there in this amazing state, just basking in this love, and, and this love was so intense. Uh, the only way I could describe it is like this. If the fabric of the universe is this unconditional love that God has created, and I just had this, the privilege to almost, you know, kind of touch it. And then as I'm laying there, God spoke to me. And it was a voice that came from everywhere and came from nowhere at once. It wasn't like a conversation uh, I've ever had with a person before. And it was not to my ears. Uh, it was like this stream of consciousness flowing right through my center, like flowing right through my soul. And what God said is, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, and I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in Gene, I still wonder about that, because as soon as he said that to me, I knew with total certainty that my left eye was blind. And there was, there was no reason for me to know that at the time. Hmm. So then I woke up and I opened my eyes and I said very calmly to everybody around me, I said, God's here. He said, it's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. And they were, uh, as you can imagine, they're like, what are you talking yeah. about? You know, and so I get, for the next hour, I laid there calmly and, and just, and just chatted with them. Um, I did keep repeating questions like, why are all my teeth broken? What happened? Uh, yeah. Where's the horse? You know, they'd answer all the questions. And then uh, a few minutes later, I would ask the same questions again. So they knew, you know, definitely something was up. And they describe it as it was almost like your brain was rebooting because you'd ask the questions over and over and over. And then you'd wait five minutes and then you'd wait 10 minutes because it was an hour until uh, they called 911 and it was an hour until the life flight helicopter came to uh, bring me out of there. I actually do remember thinking, uh, they told me it was going to be a life flight ride. And I'm like, oh, sweet, a ride in a helicopter. This will be cool. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's Montana. It's sunny day. And I get in the helicopter, and they strap me in, in the stretcher. And you're looking straight up. So the only thing I can see are the rotor blades spinning above me in blue sky. I couldn't see any of the scenery. And I remember uh, laying in the, the helicopter, actually trying to turn my head. Uh, to look outside, but uh, I couldn't. Everything was strapped down, so I wouldn't hurt myself. But oh wow! But being in God's presence has had profound 
profoundly changed who I am and what I'm all about, though. I bet you'll never forget what you heard him say. Did you ever have that written down and put somewhere you could see it, or is it just burned in your head? You know, it's, um, I share. I was asked to share that to this wonderful group uh, called Bob Buford wrote a book called uh, Halftime, and I was asked to go down and speak to some of the the folks at Halftime. And there was an artist there in the audience, and he he made me this incredible painting that I have here in my office, and it's just a uh, uh, kind of a character of from my shoulders up of me laying on the ground with God's hand over my face, and it just says, "I'll heal you for my glory," and that's the that's something I look at every day to ground me to realize that you know I I should have died at that accident. You know I talked to multiple doctors. I just ran into a doctor who was at the accident uh, just uh, a month ago. And he told me that that was that should have been a fatal accident. That was not an accident that was survivable. I've had 23 surgeries and procedures in the last two and a half years. Um, two brain surgeries. They had to take most of my skull off to repair it with titanium plates and to go in and do brain surgery and repair all the damage up inside uh, the skull and underneath the brain and the the liner lining around the brain. Uh, the entire sinus cavity in the front left of my skull was just completely shattered. They actually just removed it. So as you can imagine, when that happens, the severity of the brain injury I had, it's called a traumatic brain injury, uh, was one of their biggest concerns uh, since I had survived. And I, there's a hospital here in Denver that just treats traumatic brain injury, and I was a patient there for 18 months. And when I checked out, the psychologist I'd been working with told me that, you know, hey, if because they do all this testing, if you had recovered at 30 or 40% of your cognitive ability, I think we, we would have been thrilled. 50% would have been wonderful. And when I did all the testing at the end, uh, and this is compared to people that have never had a brain injury that are my same you know, age yeah. and education, I was 100% in everything except for visual processing, which makes sense since I only have one eye now. And at wow. every step along the way for me, it was just another opportunity for me to share what God had done. I, I think prior to the accident, you know, I probably shared my testimony in, in my faith with maybe four or five people. It was something that was very private to me. It wasn't something I was very bold about. And since the accident, I've probably shared my story and had conversations like this with thousands of people in person and been interviewed on TV and, and radio. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm really dedicating my life to how can I help people really understand what God made them for to really tap into that potential that God created us with, that greatness, and how to live our life in such a way that that just pulls that out and we do something with it. So when we do have a funeral someday, it's not just I was a great dad and husband and provider and coworker. Uh, I want my legacy to be so much bigger than it would have been if I died two years ago. So, John, do you think there's a way that people can tap into this without having a near-death experience? You know, absolutely. If you, if you look at, I mean, look at Christ did for us on the cross, right? He he allowed himself to have his life completely shaken up, uh, and he did that voluntarily. Your life was shaken up when you had your heart attack and you were laying in your hospital bed and my life was shaken up. But think about what we learned as we went through that. We realized that we have this incredible potential 
that we can live up to that if we make decisions, if we surround ourselves with, with people that are doing great things with their lives, that we, there's, there's, there's ways for us with just who we are as a person, no matter where we are in life, to make a choice every day. I was given a second chance. You know, the life I'm living right now, it's not borrowed time, but, you know, it's time that was extended to me. And I was sharing this with a friend of mine, you know, that this is all about this second chance. And he goes, you know, I would argue that every single day when we wake up, uh, we have an opportunity for a second chance. It's the question, are we really going to grasp that second chance and do something with it? So I think that's what I would share with people is, you know, Tonight, if you're listening to this on your on your iPhone, you're driving in your car, you know, you look at what Gina's done with her life and what I'm trying to do with my life is it's never too late to start over. There's incredible future ahead of every single one of us. We just have to have the courage to reach out and embrace it. And if there's something stopping us, an obstacle or a roadblock, there are people out there that will help you to give you the courage, that give you the skills to get past whatever you think's in your way, because I'll guarantee you it's not as big as you think. I love it, John. That's such great advice. Thank you. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I think it's awesome. (laughs) I'm happy to. So back to when you were in the hospital, did you say you were there for 22 months? Well, I was in ICU for five weeks, and then I spent uh, another week at the neuro rehab floor, and then they moved me from Montana down to Denver, where I was at Craig Hospital as a patient for 18 months. That's an awfully long time. I'm sure for you that was a long time, but tell us a little bit about what was it like for your family going through all of this with you? Well, I think it was hard. It was really hard for Donna, my wife. I mean, she was uh, my caregiver, honestly, for over a year. And I didn't realize how hard it was on her until uh, Dr. Dobson, who was going to have us on his radio show, And she didn't want to be on the show, but she says, I'll drive you down there. I couldn't drive at the time. And I said, well, you know, hey, honey, why don't you, what do you remember from that time? What do you remember from the accident? And can you please share with me? And uh, she broke down crying. Uh, She, I mean, sobbing. She did not want to remember those times. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, post-accident and and pretty, I had post-accident amnesia for most of the time. And there was three different times where the doctors came in right before the first brain surgery. Then I I got meningitis because of uh, everything was fractured. So everything in my sinuses got all up into my brain, told my kids I had boogers in my brain. And, uh, (laughs) um, but my fever got up to over 107. And then, and then at the end of that, uh, uh, I had to have another brain surgery for some other complications. And each one of those three times, she had to talk with the doctor that, you know, he might not make it. And even if he does make it, he might not be the same person that you remember. Yeah. And that was so hard for Don. And I'll never forget, you know, if you know somebody going through something like that, all my friends and family were, you know, they were, everybody came up, especially the first week or two. And then it was that second brain surgery. Every time I'd move, my heart would stop, my blood my blood pressure would crash, and it was kind of a, an unexpected. They had to go back in, and uh, nobody was around. It was Donna was in the uh, the waiting room as I was in surgery, just sitting there alone, and she just prayed, God, I just, I just need some help. And right after she prayed that prayer, uh, uh, this guy came in, 
She's like, yeah, is there a Donna Ramstead here? And she's like, uh, yeah. She goes, yeah, I'm, he was a pastor at a local church, and he'd heard just oh. just about what had happened. And he was coming up just to visit, you know, her and I and just see what he could do. And he's, you know, and she found her, my Donna, down here in the waiting room. And so he sat there with her just as a friend and prayed with her, but mostly just so she could have somebody to talk to as they waited for, I think, four or five hours for me to come out of surgery until the doctor came out and says, you know what, it went well and he's going to do fine. And uh, he came back a few other times. But, uh, you know, it's amazing that that, honestly, I, I don't, Donna would tell you that if he hadn't come, just sitting there for four hours wondering whether she, you know, the doctors could come out and say your husband died, uh, gave her the strength and the courage to get through it gracefully. And so it's amazing just little things, the little differences we can make in, in people's lives by just caring, by just reaching out. But, you know, this whole experience for Donna, I mean, uh, you know, financially this has been uh, – has made a huge difference in our lives. My kids, I have a, my boys are now 17, 15, and 10. In the morning uh, of the accident, uh, is, as we do, uh, they did morning prayers. And one of the prayers was, uh, Lord, you know, just keep my dad safe while he's on his business trip. And uh, then the accident happened. And so my two older boys, what they took that as is, you know what, God, God's not there. He doesn't answer prayer. If, yeah. if he's listening, he's not listening to us. But to show the boys that actually he answered the prayer in a way that is not what they expected or that they wanted, clearly this is this has been hard for them because when you have a brain injury, especially where I had one, you have uh, I, I damaged everything that has to do with social filters, emotional control, problem solving. I would go from being very calm to just screaming and yelling just at the at the drop of a hat, and I didn't even know I was doing something that I shouldn't be. Yeah. And so it was really hard for the boys. But now come two and a half years later, come full circle, uh, having, you know, working so many hours, 70, 80 hours a week average before the accident, being able to be at home and spend all this time with my wife and my kids. Our relationship today is is something I don't think I'd ever give up. And mm-hmm. And through this, both of my boys have come back to faith completely on their own terms because we've explored this and explored the questions that are part of this. And um, I got to tell you, Gene, it's been a huge blessing to watch the boys go through this and be there with them uh, as they've kind of had this journey. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing something so personal with us, John. Well, I hope that helps others because, uh, I mean, there's times where God just absolutely doesn't make sense, right? And sometimes it's hard to make sense of things that that just you can't even understand. I agree. Um after I had my heart attack, they couldn't find any heart damage, and my troponin level was so high that I had to have heart damage, but I didn't. So for me, it's same on a minor scale, same sort of thing. That is it really a coincidence? Is it a miracle? And then there's the why. What can you do with your life now that you've been given the second chance? And it looks like you're doing a lot of good things with your life now. Well, I got a long road ahead of me, Gina, and uh, I'm still here, so I'm going to try to make as big a difference as I can in the whatever time I have left. Here's my goal. Someday I want, you know, I, I here's my, I don't know if this is how it works, but I just envision getting up to heaven, and and there's Jesus, and he walks up to you, and he's got these big blue eyes, and he puts his hand on my shoulders, and when he sees me, you know what I want? I'd love for to see him, his face just break out in a smile. 
and just say, good job. Good job, buddy. Come on in. So that's that's my vision. That's what I'm working toward. Wonderful. What uh, what do you have going on for you today? Well, today I um, you know, I tried to get back to work at that company I was at. I just could not put in hours to to do what I was doing. And in February of this year, I just felt God talked to me again. Um, and what he shared with me, he goes, I want, to, I want you to use this life that I've given you to pour this life into other leaders, to equip and inspire them to work in my kingdom. It was very clear, and I knew what I was doing before. It was a, a firm that did a very advanced business, estate, and tax planning for, for business owners. And so I left that, and I went and got certified as a coach. Uh, so I do executive coaching right now, and I'm working with a number of CEOs, really with a lot of my experience in business, but also I think my, my faith journey going through what I've gone through is something uh, that I'm finding a lot of people want to help with, not just how to bring their faith into the marketplace and into their work as a leader of the company, but just how do I really understand my purpose, you know, who I am, what my values are, what the gifts God has given me, and then how do I work in those? How do I actually create a life outside of me that's in complete alignment of who I am inside. And I think that's where, you know, everybody that I'm working with, there's, they know that they're completely out of alignment. And when I help these individuals, and that's what I'm trying to expand and how I work with people, but when you bring those two into an alignment, amazing things happen. Mm-hmm. Not only does the productivity of business and the profits increase, but relationships that have languished, they start to flourish and and they become new and they become fresh and exciting. And uh, and life has just a whole new color to it and a joy and a light that I think all of us know that it's a place that we can get to, but we don't know how. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm really working on now is how to help other people get to the place that through this I've gotten to. Well, I think there's a lot of people out there that need that kind of help, that is for sure. Yes, yes there is, unfortunately. But you know what? There's lots there's there's a lot of resources and people that are willing to help anybody that that is just willing to put their hand up and just say, I don't want to hand out, I want to hand up. Oh, I love that saying. I'm, I'm going to be using that in the future, John. Well, you can take it and call it all yours. <laughs> um, through this experience to get to where you are today, was there any resources or books or audio that helped you through that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, you know, I actually just did a, a blog post on some of the, the books I read. There's actually a book Dr. Dobson gave me that my wife and I both read twice. It's called When God Doesn't Make Sense. I honestly, I couldn't recommend that highly enough. Um, I did a lot of reading. Well, it was actually very hard for me to read I because, I, uh, you know, I had one eye and my eye would get very tired. So that's when I started listening to podcasts and I really kind of figured out this whole audible thing and listening to to those is just really is resources. But, um you know, Heaven's for Real, I, I listened to that book, and I started listening to um, some biographies of people that have, have overcome, and I started listening to, you know, Andy Stanley's podcast and, my, and Greg Laurie, who are pastors, and, you know, then I started, uh, you know, as uh, I was looking at what's next, uh, 
you know, I found, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the traditional ones like, you know, Pat Flynn and John Dumas and, and some of those were very interesting, but I think just constantly filling my head with any stories where people that had overcome, like if there was a podcast like what you're doing right now, Gina, that would have been one of the first things I listened to because one of the hardest things to find when you're just in that place where you're just surviving sometimes minute by minute is just hope and hope is one of the most powerful things in this planet and i think uh you got to find hope and so i find it i found it in scripture i found it with books and um and with some of these podcasts that i was that i was really trying to continually search for Oh, great advice. I'll make sure that that is all in the show notes at everydayisasecondchance.com. And um, I listen to John and Pat Flynn as well. And uh, Relaunch, that's another good one I like. Well, you know, you know uh, just a great book that was kind of fun. There's a book called Being Happy. Being Happy. Being Happy. It's honestly, uh, I probably read that two or three times during uh, my recovery because it's just about the mindset that it takes to uh, to put things in perspective and just focus on the, the that, what's the one thing you can focus on today. So that was another one that just came to mind that was helpful. Excellent. I'm going to check that one out myself. Yeah, you'll enjoy well, that one. Before we say goodbye, uh, I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you would like to share with our listeners. And then after, if you could leave the best place that they can find you to connect with you. Sure. You know, I think the, boy, the one thing, there's so many one things in the last two and a half years. But the one thing that, that helped probably my wife and I the most was, and it blew our mind, quite frankly, Gina, was just this amazing sense of community that came out after the accident. We had hundreds of people, literally. Uh, I think almost 400 different people bring us meals. We had thousands of people reach out through Caring Bridge. Uh, we had people call and just come over and, mow the lawn and, you know, fix things around the house and offer to drive our kids. You know, some good friends of ours uh, took our kids for the five weeks that I was up in the hospital in Montana and, you know, wouldn't even let us pay for any of the groceries when we got back. And so I would tell people, if you're in a situation like this, just reach out and find a relationship, a book, uh, somebody that can help you just hang on to the hopeful side of this as you get through it. And if you know somebody going through this, be one of those people that gives that person and that family hope just by serving them, just by doing something that's inconvenient for you, but it'll mean the world for them. And I think that if we serve our fellow humans, our fellow community like that, it'll make a huge difference. I love it. Thank you. And where can everybody find you to connect with you, John? Uh, my email is John and John Ramstead Coaching, and my website is johnramsteadcoaching.com. I love it. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. John has a podcast that's going to be coming out in the next month or so. I will make sure to put all the links in the show notes once he has his podcast up and live. I can't wait to listen. I would like to share with you a review for this week that I have really enjoyed. It's a new podcast called The Chiropractic Philanthropist with Dr. Ed Osborne. 
In the review on iTunes, I said, I subscribed and loved how this podcast applies to all businesses and personal growth. Ed talks about values, self-esteem, and shares the business aspect as well. Thank you. My favorite episode is the episode number 15 with Dr. Leslie Hewitt. She is the CEO and founder of Wow Talks, as well as a chiropractor. And she shares a lot about her journey to help women who have depression. She helps them to treat their depression organically and avoid being put onto medications that have all kinds of different side effects. She is a public speaker, and I really hope to have her on the show one day. So do take a listen to Dr. Ed Osborne on the chiropractic philanthropist. And I will link all of this into the show notes at everydayisasecondchance.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Second Chance Radio. Personal stories of near-death experiences, the journey and beyond. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio. So tune in again with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio.